0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And guys, this week we have got a really, really interesting topic. We are being joined by a retired US Air Force officer who has helped manage and attract over $82 billion in government contracts. And he helps businesses navigate the journey of bidding on and winning these contracts using the DOD Contracts Academy that he has built and set up. Please welcome to the show, Rick Howard. Rick, welcome.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. Glad to
0: be here. Man, I'm so glad you made it, man. I I looked at your stuff, Rick, and obviously there's so much you can pour into our audience. But I'm just going to I'm just going to go straight after it. Like 80 80 billion in in managed mm-hmm. contracts, dude. How do you even start with that? Like tell us so, tell us about how you got into this industry and and where that immense number came from.
1: Yeah, no, that, th- those are all great questions. Um, yeah, so spent 20 years in the Air Force, and uh, the first half of my career, I was flying reconnaissance aircraft, and the way I got into government contracts, uh, actually, my son got sick. He got a rare form of cancer oh, no. uh, when um, we were at uh, one of the Air Force schools, and uh, so this is about halfway through my career, and um, he needed to be treated in Boston, um, at Boston Children's Hospital. Well, we have an Air Force base up there, Hanscom Air Force Base, but that's not a flying base. So I had to switch careers. I had to switch into acquisitions, Mm -hmm. which is the profession of putting companies on contract for the U.S. government. So at that point, I started as an acquisitions or procurement officer. And so when we're we're talking about that huge number, most of that number is what I've managed on behalf of the U.S. government. Right, right. So, um, you know, rapid technology development, um, you know, at a, at a, I guess, micro level at Hanscom to solve specific problems. Mm-hmm. And then big picture level, uh, managing foreign military sales contracts with our partner nations. Um, and that's that's where a lot of that uh, number comes from. And then, of course, also as a consultant afterwards, helping our clients win, uh, you know, contracts, and they've won hundreds of millions of dollars. Of course, there, yeah. You know. Yeah, so no, that's uh you know, it just uh it adds up over time. The US government spends an insane amount of money more than anyone else through the single biggest purchase of services in the world. And um, they, they buy everything. So it's uh, <laughs> that's where the numbers are coming from. It,
0: it's, it's mad that you just you don't ever think of that when you think of where are my customers, who are my customers. You know, you often think of the the ideal customer that's that's looking at your adverts on Facebook or that's, you know, cruising around, sees you on Instagram. But you've got yeah. you've got the ideal customer and that they never run out of money.
1: Right. they do and it's um <laughs> you know especially you know for small businesses sorry my camera is like auto adjusting on me here. i know i'm uh, feeling seasick place. i'm fe- kidding, zooming me, I'm in kidding. and zooming out <laughs> it's, this new new apple apple uh screen looks good but it looks it looks, just, it it looks look great good. yeah <laughs> it follows me around it's uh it's it's pretty cool but it when it's cool when you know it works um but yeah, the the small business opportunity is is pretty immense as far as, you know, because the government has to buy from them. So really what we're trying to do is let small businesses understand that there's an opportunity out there and try to simplify the process for them and give them a, a path that they can follow um, and, and start winning those contracts.
0: Let's look at this for a minute. Because... You say that there's opportunity for small businesses and that the government has to buy everything anyway. Give us a few examples, if you would, of some of the things that we probably wouldn't expect the government to buy that maybe some of my listeners might want to have an opportunity to fulfill. What What are some of the more surprising things that you have yeah.
1: up? No, that's it's a good conversation. Man, this thing is really following me around here today. It's a, it's a great uh, it's a great topic because you know, people think weapons when mm-hmm. they think of right. the military, they think of, you know, maybe some bureaucratic uh, things that the government's buying from big companies. Mm-hmm. In reality, if you, I think just a good way to think about it is in the military, and I like the military, I came from there, but they also tend to buy more from small businesses than the other agencies. Okay. And each military base is basically a small city or a small town needing everything that a small city or town, all the infrastructure. So they need landscaping services. They need construction services. They need to fix the buildings on the base. They need teachers. We have families on the bases that need to eat. School teachers need to be there. They all need supplies house painters uh i mean if you if you name it so some of them that you'd never expect tai chi instruction
0: do you, do you uh, know how naive of it of me i look i just thought they would make soldiers paint stuff as punishment but like go and paint the uh, barracks <laughs> i never never once occurred to me that you wouldn't use privates to mow the yard and do all the weed eating and
1: stuff i well, you know, Army bases might do that, but in the Air Force, we treated our guys a little better. So we, uh, <laughs> but no, the Army, actually the Army spends more than the Air Force does on a lot of that, um, a lot of that stuff, the Army Corps of Engineers. So there's a tremendous amount of construction and, um, you know, manual labor related things that the government buys. There's a tremendous amount of training, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that could be program management training. That could be wellness training. It oh, wow. could be diversity training. So, I mean, it really almost no matter where a small business's focus area is, the government to one degree or another is probably buying in that area. So the real question they just need to ask themselves is how much are they buying? And does it make sense for them to go after that?
0: Wow, wow. Um, Give us an example of something that you wouldn't have thought of that came up and you brokered a deal.
1: So I have. I'll give you a couple examples, right? So, in you know, I'm going to give you one where I didn't broker the deal, but I was just surprised because I would challenge our podcast audience on, so like, hey, I can <laughs> find anything. Uh uh-huh. someone brought uh, yeah, marijuana uh, to the uh, you know uh, table, which of course is federally illegal. So right. I, mean, I didn't imagine that the government was buying any of that and then um all of the information is public so we can see what the government's buying and then lo and behold it wasn't much but the government was uh buying it for research purposes i can't remember which agency so uh, wow. I, was, I was i was even proven wrong there but uh, you know i think training is probably you know the most surprising uh, thing that the government is buying so i'm aware that the government does a lot of training just from being in the air force mm-hmm. but um, things like um, social media training and awareness training and those type of things are um, those to me are surprising you know or, or were surprising when we went out and found them and you know companies can go after that type of thing and i would say another uh, another avenue i would mention is companies that are inventing or have a new technology mm-hmm. the government is investing a lot of money in research and development so When I first started as a consultant with the goal of helping the small business owner, I didn't think that research and development contracts would be so important as, you know, would be the primary focus of what we're doing. But a large part of what our customers are going after are, you know, million-dollar, seven-figure R&D contracts with the government. And they're winning them uh, for a variety of things, from virtual reality training to you know, um, you know, software tools that manage performance, you know, um, for our personnel, so kind of HR-related tools. So i wow. uh, just give you a couple examples. Yeah,
0: like in, in the world of small business, I see all these companies that have all this software for doing this stuff, and you never once think of the military or, or the government as a company that essentially would have very similar internal functions to most businesses.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, tens of billions of dollars are spent each year on software, IT-related, um, services and products, so it's a lot.
0: So, what was it that inspired you to take that leap from inside the uh, inside the government there to start in your own business and helping small companies?
1: Well, I, well, for one thing, I retired, so that was, <laughs> that was a forcing function, <laughs> right? You know? Right. Um, you know, I always had a, a bit of an entrepreneurial bug, uh, bef- you know, even before the Air Force. And of course, you know, I wasn't. I was focused on my career and you know serving when yeah. I was in one of the things that bothered me as an acquisitions officer was hot, was the struggle and it, it wasn't just with small businesses but larger companies could afford to hire people like me with a background like me to help mm-hmm. them figure it out right smaller businesses you know especially when we're talking about technology or even services you know they they had great technologies great solutions they really cared they really wanted to get into it but the The process is so different from how you sell to a business like mm-hmm. a B2B sale or a B2C sale, but they really struggled. And, and I helped them the best I could from the inside. But I, I really saw that as an opportunity where I could, um, I could help small business owners, which I saw there was a need there. And I could stay connected to, of course, uh, the military, which I love, and our partner nations and working with them and kind of helping the world to be a better place. So um, that's what i did that's that's how i uh, jumped into it and we haven't looked back we're you know we've helped a lot of clients so far and you know whether paid or you know for free through our podcast and some of mm-hmm. our trainings we're, we're we're doing the best we can there so yeah it's been great
0: well, awesome. Um, well, there, there may not be an answer to this next question then, but I, I was going to ask you—you know—what were some of the challenges you went through transitioning from military life to owning a business? Uh, what was the first six months like, and, and what were some of those lessons you learned when you were first getting that runway up for takeoff?
1: Yeah. Oh, so that first six months was a little chaotic for me, and, and I think that's—I think that is pretty uh, a pretty similar story to a lot of uh, military that are transitioning. Mm-hmm. I I personally, when I left, I didn't want to do anything with, I, I know I had this into my mind, I could start the business, but I didn't start it right away. Um, you know, I wanted to take a break. I've been, you know, I deployed 10 times. Rush. And uh, we just did a one-year remote. And so I wanted to just take a break with, before I got back into doing government work and, and working with the military. And so I was helping my wife with her real estate um, business and, mm-hmm. you know, doing that type of thing but you know it, I quickly learned that that wasn't for me um, I enjoyed the sales piece and I learned a lot about the sales but the real estate <laughs> itself just it definitely did not resonate with me well you know um,
0: real estate's and, and I'll go on record as saying this as, a, as quite a successful real estate agent um, that I've, I've moved on from that but, but real estate's wonderful it's just you know sometimes you don't feel like doing the, the customer thing and dealing with the people and <laughs> putting all that together yeah. you know
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I mean, now that we're on it and people are listening, if they want to just kind of get my tidbits, I learned a tremendous amount about sales and marketing Mm -hmm. through that six months in real estate. Um, Now, what I didn't like about it, I didn't like that it was, you know, I was working all day on, you know, bringing in leads and business, which we did, you know, really well, but all of the work with the customers was at nights and on weekends. Yep, yep. Comparing that to uh, federal acquisitions, for instance, I mean, the governments, these are government employees, they work from eight to five every day, and then you have some fast burners that will, you know, really do that. But that's a Monday through Friday, eight to five, and you're yep. talking about large contracts, or you might be negotiating a $50 million contract or, or working on that. And, you know, the emotions are pretty low, and, you know, it's pretty standard business. But yeah. in real estate, you know, as real estate as you know, I mean, just arguing over, you know, a, a, $2,000 inspection well, could get a deal.
0: That and it's... I think what we forget to remember as uh, real estate agents is that we do it all the time, but it's the largest transaction in their lives. And yeah. I'm like, will you just calm down? It'll be okay. But yes, it's it's a very very nerve-wracking uh, process, even people that have done it before a lot of the times. Yeah, and uh, it is. yeah, I, f- I found it more of uh, more of a client education need uh, more than anything in, in real estate. I, I really did enjoy it though. Um, I wanna ask you now about some of the biggest misconceptions that people have when it comes to selling to the government. What are some things that might surprise the uh, the audience as far as how easy it may be that they could have overlooked into stepping into this uh, stepping into this arena?
1: Yeah. So uh, for, first, I would never use the word easy when we're talking about selling to the government. <laughs> Straightforward, <Uh-oh. laughs> like
0: look, it's intimidating. I don't want to sell to the government because the first thing I think of is all the forms I'm going to have to fill out. Right? Um. Or, yeah. or Maybe maybe that's a misconception. I don't know.
1: No, it's um. I don't want to say that's a misconception. I mean, the government's known for paperwork, right? Mm-hmm. Here's some misconceptions. One is people think government contracting is rigged, right? And it, it's probably one of the things that is the least rigged because of all of the regulation and laws that exist to monitor it. You know, okay. we, we, always, we always hear about abuses, you know, cause that's what's going to make the headlines. And, you know, every year or two we hear about, you know, maybe a, a general, you know, influencing a contract to go to a buddy or, you know, something like that, but the laws exist to prevent that type of thing from happening. And Mm -hmm. we can talk about that. So it's not rigged. There is a process uh, for this, but it's not obvious. And what I, what I teach in ours, our our academy is, you know, if you have a step-by-step plan Mm -hmm. that is designed for your business and what you sell, then it doesn't have to be that complicated. So although there is a lot of complexity out there, the government buys different things in different ways. So we always start with, let's say, you know, it's a landscaping company. Mm -hmm. Well, the government buys landscaping services, typically a lot different than they're going to maybe um, invest in a company that's developing a, you know, cutting edge technology. Right, right. So who in the government buys landscaping services, because there are specific offices that do it. And Mm -hmm. then we learn how they buy those from small businesses. And then we put our plan together based on that. So you don't have to learn everything. You just need to learn how the government buys from you. Right. I don't think that gets taught. And that's what we're teaching in the academy. And it allows, without having to make a huge investment, it allows clients to come in and Go through some training that makes sense. Put that plan together for themselves, and it'll eliminate a lot of the misconceptions and um, the things that are confusing and frustrating, and you know the fear, right? Like, right, hey, this, right. I can't sell to the government. Well, let's protect ourselves. Let's understand the process. Put a good plan together. Now we can go after that funding. I mean, look, the average small business that sells to the government makes two point three four million a year. Wow, um, that's twenty twenty one, and that's broadly speaking. If we start looking at different industries, you know, that number can go up a lot or down, but uh, there's a lot of money to be made there and the number of small businesses selling is decreasing year over year. So it's worth at least looking at as a potential option for a small business that's, you know, um, that has customers and is looking for another revenue stream to stabilize their business and, and to grow.
0: Well, man, I'm going to prioritize your course. Um, and put it on my to-do list at some point when I get a minute um, because it, it fascinates me and I think it could be a, a great uh, a great value add to some of my consulting clients that, that could really use pushing in your direction you know they've got their own products they've got their own niches and, and there's probably a, a need for them in the government now a small business question a lot of times just because of how society's raised us, we believe that the way to win a bid is to go in with the lowest possible price and try to undercut everybody to win the business, which I know from a business perspective is not a healthy thing to do at all. Um, does the government, in your experience, do they buy based on pricing or do they buy more based on value? And what would be the best way for somebody to go about submitting those kind of bids?
1: Sure. Well, the answer to that's both. <laughs> and, and, and- this is where it gets a little, little complex because every contract is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, the government has certain uh, ways to buy. Now, the government does have, and both the government and uh, the companies cringe when they hear the term, "lowest it's price technically acceptable because right. you know, my, my experience is if we had to go after, sometimes the government will direct an agency to use that type of contracting strategy. Mm-hmm. And in that case, a um, a. Business has to be able to show that they can do the work and present a good price, a solid price for that. Now, often what happens if you're really trying to undercut, the government's not stupid either. So, if you're going in, if it's a services contract and your labor rates are so low that you could never actually pay the type of people that, because we know what the labor rates are. Right,
0: right, of course, yeah.
1: So, um, you know. You have to be careful, you know, writing a proposal can get a little tricky if you have a lowest price technically acceptable, um, you know, mechanism in place by the government, but that's not always the case, you know, the government needs to the the number one, the number one thing and this is how I always approached, uh, you know, whatever problem I was trying to solve for the government is, can this company solve our problem, that's number one, Mm -hmm. can you present a solution. And the solution that the government wants is in large part determined by the companies out there that have especially technological solutions, because there is a phase where they have the ability to meet with the government office and recommend requirements and recommend specifications that can go into contract. And that's a very important part of it. And that's something we call it influencing, but it's something that we teach. But I don't know if that answers your question or not, but there's a, there's a lot of different ways the government buys things. And you should be aware when you read the request for proposal, what the important factors are going to be um, when they're grading who to put on contract. And if you've talked to them ahead of time, you'll know even better. And that, we always recommend that.
0: I'm assuming the, the kind of proposals that you get, if you, if you learn to read them properly, are almost like a rubric and they, they give you the answers in there. Is that right?
1: A little bit, you know, really the key is if there's one takeaway that anyone should have from this, it's that, you know, the government has a system called SAM.gov, U.S. Mm -hmm. government, and that's where a lot of the solicitations are going to come out. If you are seeing a solicitation, when I say a solicitation, I mean a request for a quote or a request for a proposal, that means your company is going to put together that proposal and bid on a project. If that's the first time you're seeing that, then you're probably not going to win. Mm-hmm. You can win, but you're probably not going to win. Right, really, right. you want to find out about that a couple months ahead of time. Meet with the office because you're going to understand a lot more by talking with them. You can also understand if you're wasting your time putting a proposal together or if they really would like your solution. So that's really uh, what we want. To under- so we want to have a good understanding before that RFP ever drops. And then you just have to be very careful. You want to, it's going to be scored fairly. Mm-hmm. So you need to make sure you're answering the questions that they ask and not, a, you know, Putting in extra pages because that'll get thrown out it's the government right so if it's right like right solicitation you could be um you could be killing your chances of winning just by not following the guidelines
0: man I'm learning so much from you this is uh, this is quite informative so so thank you very much now I'm how, not
1: putting you to sleep no no no
0: no now I want I want to know because um, because you've been doing this for a few years now I want to know what it's been like actually scaling your business and taking on uh, taking on those uh, those those folks to help you do that and what the scaling journey's been like and maybe some of the challenges that you faced in getting to the size you are now
1: Oh sure, and I mean, I, I love this question because it's it's the eternal uh, you know mystery.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, I feel like sometimes. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, it was, it was really just I had an opportunity. I was lucky because I happened to have a background that was that you know synced right up to helping companies do this type of work. And,
0: yeah, but that that's uh, I, I would I wouldn't say you were lucky. I would say you had spent a few critical years of your career preparing for the opportunity like i mean that's that's what you that's did to- <laughs> you know that wasn't luck that was preparation man
1: i guess I, I i say luck in the sense that you know i didn't have to go out and find my first clients they right. found me and Okay. So yeah. that that's how i jumped into it but i then had to learn a lot about how to run a business how to start a business mm-hmm. the tools to use how to write proposals right um, you know i was the solopreneur for that first year anyway plus mm-hmm. And, um, so we still don't have a, a large team. but you know how that really went was by trial and error. I mean, I've probably done seven hundred consultations, like right on the phone. Yeah, uh, just learning what the customers actually want. What do small businesses need? and um and then taking a lot of courses and coaching programs and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I, I have, I've taken quite a few, and each one has given me something as far as you know how do you build a team? you know, mm-hmm. hiring a VA you know, using, you know, just getting those systems in place that can help uh, automate some of this. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we, we could pick an area because everything from outbound sales to, you know, personal selling to, yeah. you know, and we of course do, uh, and maybe this is more a specific answer, you know, if it helps somebody that's out there consulting or that's in a business that they kind of relate to, um, mm-hmm. that may be similar. Uh, for us, it's been a combination of Um, retainer based um, clients. So Mm -hmm. that would be more of a, you know, a company that's established and can pay us, you know, a certain monthly fee. Right, right. Um, There's going to be initial projects that we do. And typically, it's an initial project that brings in a retainer. And usually, it's me personally, or our guys putting a um, a strategic roadmap together for Mm -hmm. a client. Um, And then there's the academy. And that's a lower priced offering where, Someone can come in and they can join, uh, sign up for a membership on the website and then they get the courses and they get us. And usually it's me that comes on each week and on a group setting and can help them through their problems. So it's a combination of the three. And it took us a couple of years to, to get there and to really figure out um, you know, what that formula was going to look like.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's no replacement for being able to have a minimum viable product and test it and refine it. Can you talk on maybe some of the assumptions that you made that over time, you found out were wrong and some course correction you might have done?
1: yeah, there's there's been there's been quite a few. Um, probably probably most of them have been around the offers and mm-hmm. and I love putting offers together. And throwing it out there, isn't
0: that isn't that forts. crazy? Isn't that crazy? Because you think, oh, this is perfect, and you throw it that there's there's nothing happens, and then you throw one out there, like, like well, let's just see, and it, it just explodes, man. I yeah, just the the things I assume my clients will like aren't always necessarily the things that take off. It's the strangest yeah, thing.
1: I, absolutely. So, and I've had I've experienced both of those things, right? <laughs> so, I think the um the fact that the companies I work with Um, do want and will pay for a, you know, someone with my type of background, um, you know, in some cases, indefinitely, so at least, you know, up to this point, to just be able to talk to them once or twice a month, and give them advice, or maybe more than that, in some cases, uh, that was, uh, that's not something I was expected, but that was something that was requested. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that I, you know, one of the things that we did, which I still I, I want to make this work is, you know, at one point I was going after not uh, companies, but helping salespeople because you know, for um, as far as a career, not a business owner, mm-hmm. being in federal sales is a extremely profitable uh, career if you understand it. It's it's probably one of the highest salaries out there, and you're getting a in a lot of cases you're getting a percentage of uh, the sales itself. So wow. I mean, if you think about something like medical sales or software sales government sales is, is right up there. And the guys I know that are doing it and doing it well, are, you know, that's their business because right. they're, you know, they're doing really well. So uh, my, one of the, my, one of my failed offer, uh, offers was to train, um, you know, salespeople and, you know, I may not have had the right offer or the right targeting. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's one of the things, you know, well, <laughs> well, you go,
0: Matt, you know, maybe, maybe they need some training. They just, you just had a different way of saying it, you know, I, yeah. um, I don't know. So is your team like, are they mainly close by or do you work with a lot of remote workers?
1: A lot of remote workers. Um, So we have, and what I like to do is, I refer to them as my associates, right? But, you know, government acquisitions in particular is a really big field. And, you know, within there you have, on the government side, you have people that have spent 20, 30 years as a contracting officer Mm -hmm. who is, a misconception uh, from small businesses, the contracting officer doesn't manage the program. Contracting officer is almost like a lawyer. They're legally committing money on behalf of the U.S. government. They make sure that the proposals uh, you know, get reviewed correctly, mm-hmm. that the RFPs are written, and then, you know, then they step off after it's awarded. And then a program manager like myself, they're in charge of taking the government requirement and the money, figuring out how to solve the problem working with a contracting officer to get it on contract and then managing that company and what they're doing for the government afterwards until the end of the right, contract. Right, Yeah, finance people. So you have a lot of different types of people. So, um, you know, we have a team and we can reach out to each of them and and they come in depending on what the problem set is. It might be cybersecurity um, and there's a lot of requirements, especially mm-hmm. for software companies. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, a, a good example would be we have a, a client who, a small woman-owned business and she had a, a contract, a moving contract. Mm -hmm. uh, at a Navy base and the government can do something called termination for convenience, right? So even though these contracts are probably the most stable that you can get, and by the way, they can really increase the value of your business if (laughs) you're looking to sell. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, so she had a termination for convenience. She set up, she was stationed. She's based in Hawaii. Uh, She comes out to Florida does a site survey. She hires everybody to do the move. Um, flies back out again. It's the day of the move. Like, all everything's set up, and government comes out and says, hey, we're we're canceling. And, you know, she called us, and she's like, I'm out all this money because I, you know, invested it to to get this together. Mm-hmm. What she didn't know, because there's thousands of pages of <laughs> acquisitions regulations that, you know, only contracting officers and people that have done this really right, understand. Right. The government expects to still pay you, even if they contract, at least for a certain amount. Yeah, you've yeah, 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 yeah we wrote a simple letter um you know for her to the contracting officer, and she got something like 80 percent of the contract value so um you know that's the type of thing where we'll bring in an associate um, and they'll come in and they'll troubleshoot a problem like that
0: yeah it's uh it's good to be good at things but it's it's even better to have access to great people that are great at things you know that's right so uh yeah so how do you avoid working too much man how do you keep a healthy, sustained balance in life? Cause you just must have so much opportunity and so many things to do.
1: I don't think my wife would say that. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> everything really well, but um, I try to, uh, well, for one thing, you know, with COVID, I recently moved my office back to my house. And I think mm-hmm. I work more uh, now that I've done that, but yeah, I've got three kids. I've got three young kids. i got a five-year-old and uh, you know, I've got two kids in middle school. So, you know, uh, whether I like it or not, those kids need to be picked up at school uh, at the end of the day. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I'm either I'm either driving them there or picking them up. And so what I do is I I force as much work as I can into the workday. And for me, it starts pretty early, but it, it always ends around four. And mm-hmm. I spend the rest of my time with my kids and my family, um, unless there's an emergency. Um, you know, like there's a contract that needs to be reviewed, or you know, a government. You know something imminent is going to happen, I'll I'll obviously jump on it. But um yeah, I know we squeeze it into the day and then I, I have a team that helps me with a lot of the stuff that I used to spend time with, you know. So whether it's selling and my social media stuff and mm-hmm. advertising for our business or, you know, helping clients with proposal writing and finding opportunities. So I have people that do all of that. And, and it really we can all come together and it it helps it helps manage it. So at least it's not a twenty hour work day. <laughs>
0: no doubt so for somebody that is a little intimidated to take the first steps and and to hire that first assistant or maybe that first social media manager or 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 someone like that what what can you what can you tell a a small business owner that's that's a little bit worried about that first step and 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 what was it like for you when you managed to onboard assistance and help and and free up some of your workday
1: Yeah. So, you know, actually one of the, one of the first um, coaching programs I got was really good for helping me with this. It was a, um, I think it was called Consulting Success and they have a podcast too. Um, They're really good. Uh, this the Persky brothers I want to say but I'm gonna write that um, down (laughs) yeah no really really great podcast for consult. so if you have a consulting business definitely go check them out I I learned a ton and I've taken a a couple of different of their courses but one of one of the things that they pointed out was hey you know you can start looking at uh, tools like Upwork and there's a few others Mm -hmm. um, to start hiring people Um, and, and you know for me I try, I had a little rubric, but you no, know, I tried a few people out and, you know, some of, sometimes it, you know, it's a great connection for a little while and, and sometimes it's not, but I think that in, if anyone doesn't know what Upwork is, it's a, a freelancer website. Yeah. So in fact, I I actually used to sell my services initially on there. Oh, wow. I figured out a different mechanism. I think I was the highest priced uh, consultant uh, person on there, but um No, it it was great. So I used it for selling, and I used it for hiring. Mm -hmm. And my first hire was a virtual assistant, and I've had a couple different ones Mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah. Um. And and look, it's it's really that can be a low cost way, depending on where the assistant is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to try, try somebody out. And it also Upwork takes a little bit of the, um, it takes some of the work away from you, right? So you don't have to manage the taxes you um you know and they are going to everything that you're doing with them is going to be recorded so right right your bank account and figure out how much you've spent on an assistant and um you know and it's in charge of paying them and it'll it'll take care of their you know 1099 or, Mm -hmm. or whatever they get. so that's that would be my recommendation i would go into upwork and then it's just a decision of if you want to hire somebody in the country somebody overseas um you know and i have different criteria for deciding which way i'm going to go with that
0: yeah, yeah, I've had uh, I've had great success using Upwork. I think it's uh, a great platform. I love the fact that it allows you to read the uh, the contractor's reviews uh, before you even kind of schedule an interview. So, uh, so yeah, um, Rick, uh, I want to switch gears for a minute, if that's okay. I want to talk about yeah, a little absolutely. bit. About personal development, because you seem like an incredibly highly educated gentleman. Um, can you share a couple, maybe, of the books that you've been reading recently and some of the value that you got out of them?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I read a lot of business books. and yeah, I listen to a lot of books mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna and I'm gonna open my Audible too here just to, to make sure I <laughs> haven't uh, missed any. But so one one if you're if you're in business, Hundred Million Dollar Offers" was a, a great book. Yes. Um, What's his name? Hormozy, I think. Alex Hormozy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Great. I think the you know, if I was going to synopsize that, I would say that um, how you can package uh, different things that you offer, different services you provide, Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: essentially sell a a much larger offer. And you know, his thing is, hey, if you're selling a twenty-five thousand dollars package versus a you know four hundred dollars package, you might not be competing with that many people at that price point, and and making it more attractive for somebody to purchase. So. Um, you know, depending on your industry, that one uh, was good. Business Made Simple, Donald Miller. Uh,
0: oh, I've not read that one.
1: He wrote, uh, you might be more familiar with, I think it's called The Story Brand.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know but he that one. is
1: an incredible, he, and he has a podcast over. He is an incredible um, businessman, or at least he can. Uh, he teaches business very well. And so for anybody that's interested in business, I would absolutely recommend that book um it, it was really great uh, great for me uh let's see here what else am i reading what else have i read that i'll read a lot of stuff that's not um it doesn't have to do with business uh recently i read the creative act by rick rubin um do you know rick rubin i the
0: name sounds familiar but no i'm not i'm not gonna lie to you and say yes <laughs>
1: uh, he's a um he is a music producer oh of uh, course he was the he was the producer for like the beastie Boys. of course yes yes like yes Yes, that, yes. Really interesting guy and you know i saw him on probably youtube or something he's really getting into a lot of like the meditation and you know using ice baths and oh wow you know, i ha- well.
0: haven't tried the ice bath yet I, I got a few friends that have done it and i'm just i'm not looking forward to that one
1: Oh, it's good. It's good. Um, but he's got a he's got a book uh, called The Creative Act, and uh, it's it's really good for creativity. And he's it's almost like set up like the I Ching or, you know, I remember from college where um, just a lot of uh, tricks that he would use with the, his musicians and stuff to get them to maybe um, do something a little bit different that they wouldn't normally do. And uh, just to get the creative juices flowing. So it's um, if you're looking for, you know, a little bit of creativity, um, you know, that's, that's a good one.
0: I, I am. This is a life hack because not only are you like pouring into my guests, I'm actually writing these books down and I'm going yeah. to go there. <laughs>
1: No, hopefully, hopefully they help. You know, they might not be for everyone, but um, yeah, no, those were
0: those were really good. No, I w- I would look forward to that. And of course, million, uh, hundred million dollar offers is is a staple on my desk. I love the way that that book is laid out. So it was, uh, oh, yeah. it, was it was really great that you called that one out. Um, so tell us a little bit, Rick, about what you got planned for the future, about your future goals, and what we can expect to see from uh, from the website and from the uh, from the DoD Contract Academy.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, we're scaling up the Academy. So it, we have it uh, back on now. Uh, we're accepting students. So, and this is where you, it's more of a monthly program where we're, we combine the the kind of Harmozi $100 million offer style, right? Where uh, it won't cost you a hundred million dollars, though. So, uh, where it combines our training with our coaching and advising, where you actually get to speak with us um, and the community. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's on right now. Uh, we certainly are, have higher end offerings where we're helping clients. Of course, yeah. You where know, we're scaling that as well, and we do have a book on the horizon. It's about halfway done, so I just gotta I gotta knock it out. So that's that's probably my my long-term goal for or at least my you know 12 months from now goal i want to have that completed
0: man that's wonderful man i i have a question about the the course if say for example a, a listener was interested and they signed up how many weeks of education would they have to undergo before you would classify them as, as ready to submit their first contract or first first proposal i would say
1: I would say that, so what the course does, it's really for, it's for companies that have never sold anything to the government and just Mm -hmm. starting. Mm -hmm. And also for those that are are selling, but are struggling, right? They just, they're trying to, maybe they won one or two contracts, but they really, they haven't figured out how to optimize that process uh, process yet. for companies just starting out, it's going to take probably three months. And when I say that, there's there's some things that they're going to have to do. They have to register their company to sell to the government. And We mm-hmm. show them how to do that, and that's it's not it, that's not hard. It just you know takes it it takes time. Yeah, to, yeah, for to sure. Give their approvals, and we show them how to find opportunities ahead of the proposal, and that's really key. So you know they have time to learn that they could, in fact, in the first week, they could identify some of those opportunities and they might be 3 or 4 or 5 months out and so they can start that process and then you know once they get to that point where they've talked to the government they have something solid their business is registered maybe they're even partnering with another company that 4 month mark they should be ready to submit that uh, that proposal and some do it earlier i have some clients that have gone in and you know like hey i want a, a r&d contract you know they figure out where it is they put it in and then three or four months later they're on contracts not right, just submit proposals right, right. so look it, you know it runs a gambit but I, I will tell you that typically the government contracting cycle is a lot longer than b2b or b2c so just yeah, be prepared yeah. for the long haul
0: but man even still a 90 to 120 day turnaround from complete newbie to you know proposal ready status i mean that's that's really impressive so so congratulations well done on that well, thank you. Uh, all right. A couple more questions, Rick, before we wrap it up, man, because uh, yeah. I'm, I'm having fun and uh, we need to know the answer to a couple more things. Um, so I ask these questions to all of my guests. Um, but now looking back on your business and on your journey as an entrepreneur What's something that you would like to turn around uh, and give to somebody that's maybe five or maybe 10 years behind us both in the process? What's a piece of advice you'd you'd like to turn around and give to, uh, to that kind of listener?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would tell them that although you may be nervous or you may not think that there's a place as a business owner for you out there, you know, most people have some type of skill set. That will translate into, um, into a business that they can run. Yes. And I would urge them to, you know, take a shot at it. There's there's a lot of different ways you can do that. And I, I mentioned, um, you know, upwork is one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that you could start while you have another job if you're trying yeah. to transition yeah. into something. Um, and I would also say don't just try to figure it out on your own. There's plenty of coaching programs out there. At, at various you know uh, levels to, to pay for, but I've saved a lot of time with those programs. Mm-hmm. There are some that I wish I took right away and I didn't make the investment. And had I done that and followed them to the T, I probably would have saved a lot of time and money and would have been able to um, scale a little bit better. But that's really what I would say. Take a shot at it. There's ways to do it without quitting your job and
2: yeah. your
1: family's destitute if it doesn't work. And, uh, and, and get some advice, you know, figure out, you know, look at a couple of different things. You're going to have to play around with what's going to resonate with the market, but don't, don't be uh, disappointed if the first couple of things don't hit there. It may just be like you meant, mentioned, you may just have to reward yeah. your message. And, um, you know, I think we're all, uh, we're all guilty of getting a little too close to our own products sometimes. You know? <laughs> For sure. On the outside, look at, yeah.
0: Man, look, I really want to take a second and highlight your wisdom there. Um, I think it's a very uh, common theme amongst older entrepreneurs that they they all regret trying to do it all by themselves and not actually paying for a mentor or, or paying for advice. And so I, I'm very pleased that you hit on that, just how important it is. So thank you for that. Yeah. All right, Rick, last question. For the guys that really resonated with what you had to say, I want to go a little bit deeper into this subject matter. How can people follow you? How can they see what you're doing on social media? And uh, where can they sign up for your course?
1: Yeah. No. So uh, first I say go to dodcontract.com. That's mm-hmm. where we have the academy. Uh, we have links to a lot of different things there uh, that you can see. But if you want to take the course, that's where you go. If you want to learn more without having to make an investment, I would check out our podcast. It's DOG Contract Academy. It's on all the, the podcast providers um, and, it, and it's free. And we go over, there's a couple things you'll get on there. They'll get, um, you know, me ranting, just giving specific <laughs> pieces of advice on how, what to do. And you can look up the different topics from starting to advanced but I also interview, and I think this is where, this is where the real value is. Mm-hmm. Um, I interview companies, small businesses that are successful selling to the government. Mm-hmm. Some of them are my clients, and some of them are just companies that I'm impressed with. Right. And you'll hear these people talk about how they began their first contract, how they did it, what works for them, what doesn't. And, you know, I've interviewed companies in a lot of different areas. So depending on what you're selling, it could be something like construction or it could be a software tool um, and anything in between. But... Uh, you know check some of them out because I think you know you'll probably resonate we have woman owned small businesses veterans we have yeah. people that had even heard of the military I have, a, I have a New York film student who uh, was filming Fast and the Furious movies and then went in and now is no uh, you know a, a major uh, technology provider for the DOD so I mean you just never know and so I think you could get a lot of inspiration from some of their stories
0: well I think I'm going to give that a listen and that's called the uh, the DOD Contract Academy podcast is that correct?
1: That's it. Dude, yeah.
0: We'll get the link to that in the show notes and everything else. Rick, my friend, it has been a pleasure spending the last 45 minutes talking to you, pal. Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time out and uh, coming and being with the audience today. I really appreciate that. And guys, if you have enjoyed Rick, please run over and uh, and like his socials, follow him along, and check out the DoD Academy. Rick, thank you for coming on, dude. Thank
1: you, sir. No, pr- pleasure being here. Thanks.
0: Guys, that was Rick Howard. Please do me a favor, run over to his socials. You can grab him from the show notes, show him some love, share this episode. And for those of you that are intrigued, as I am, on the opportunities that are there to sell to the federal government, go check out dodcontractacademy.com and uh, see what you can figure out. All right, that's going to do it for the show today. You'll be good. Stay safe. Have a great week. And I will see you guys on Friday for Friday Fire.